Blog Talk Radio. Talk fans, it's Saturday morning. Time for another brand new edition of Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollan in the host chair this week. And just as we had a uh, more of a Bears centric show last week, uh, heavy on Chicago sports, this one's going to be pretty much everything Pittsburgh uh, breaking. Sports fans, uh, I apologize. It looks like we're having an issue with Tom's mic. Hunter, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so we're going to move along with the show as best we can until we get Tom back. Hopefully that happens soon. Um, As he was saying, it is going to be a Pittsburgh-centric show this week. Steelers dropped a shocker, I would say, to the Jacksonville Jaguars last weekend in the divisional round. Um, and we're going to spend the first. Oh, you're back. Great, Tom. Yeah. I don't know why they disconnected me, but uh, all of a sudden I got disconnected by uh, by the uh, you know online call-in uh, application stuff. But yeah, the Steelers did drop a shocker. It was amazing to see that game how it unfolded. Uh, they gave a great comeback, but uh, we're going to break down everything that. Basically, isn't still hasn't been broken already by this effort. Uh, we're going to look at the two championship Sunday games in the special edition of Master Thomas Predicts. Pirates pulled the trigger on two trades that have been rumored for a long time, uh, and pretty much, I think, in our opinion, is all but closed the window on this era's Pirates uh, postseason team. And we're going to wrap up the show with real deal or overreaction. We want to invite our audience to join in the conversation. Our phone number, if you want to talk about those topics, or if you have another topic you want to bring up, give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet us at, at our Twitter handle, at WKD Sports Huddle. And this show is brought to you by Dr. Marco Stacchio, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind, and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.michaelsacchio.com. And I'm going to bring in my co-host right now, and I know Dave has stepped in real quick to to, uh, get the show started, but we'll introduce him formally now. Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Pittsburgh Pirates fan, um, just a completely shattered fan this week. Dave Holcomb. Dave, how are you doing? (laughs) Good, Tom. Picking up the pieces and trying to put myself back together this week. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Hey, I've been through it before too. So, uh, and our other co-host, 
is Hunter Hodes from Virginia. Hunter, how are you feeling after last Sunday's uh, debacle in Pittsburgh? Uh, I feel uh, I feel much better this week. Uh, at least the uh, the Penguins are starting to turn it around. So at least one sports team knows how to win around here. Yes. Yeah, I wish we had that uh, kind of match at Chicago, but uh, Blackhawks might are still struggling. So don't know what's going to happen with them. Let's get into the uh, Steelers breakdown. And boy, a lot broke down early. And if it weren't for the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was just dropping dimes everywhere on the field uh, against some very tough uh, defense, you know, 45 to 42, they wouldn't have even come that close. But first question right. for both yeah. of you, and just want to say um, – Steelers kind of expected going into that game, all their statements were that they expected to play in the uh, championship game. They expected to uh, to uh, be facing the uh, New England Patriots tomorrow. How do you think that played into uh, what happened to the Steelers last uh, last Sunday? Dave, go ahead. Oh, you want me to go first? <laughs> go ahead. Um, I, I I think it played a role. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was the biggest issue, but um, we saw the Steelers' defense play pretty well all season long, and they gave up 45 points to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. Um, I, I, I still can't believe that happened, to be honest. Uh, they got no sack. They got very little pressure on Bortles. Uh, Pro Football Focus had a stat of the quarterback rating for each quarterback that played last week when they weren't under pressure and when they were under pressure. And the difference in Blake Bortles' passer rating, not quarterback rating, passer rating when he was under pressure and not under pressure was astonishing. It was about an 80-point difference. So for him to not be consistently under pressure facing a team that led the league in sacks, yeah, I'll give the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line a lot of credit, and I think they're going to play a role in tomorrow's game. But I I cannot say that it didn't have any impact, what what was said before the game, from the Steelers and and, and the Jaguars. I think they, they... I don't want to say they overlooked the Jaguars. I think that's a lazy narrative, but it played a role. They definitely... Human nature crept in, and they and they thought they were going to just roll through the Jaguars, and that was not the reality going into this game. Hunter, what do you have to say to that? No, no, no. I, I agree with Dave. Um, anyone who thinks like a team like overlooks a team that beat you in the regular season, especially in the playoffs, I mean, that's not a thing, people. Um, of course, in their mind, like, okay, yeah, we're going to win this game. We're going to go play New England. We want another shot. But, like, the people that, like, you know, I've seen it all this week, oh, well, oh, well you know, uh, Mike Tomlin looked ahead to the Patriots during an interview, and it's like he was asked a question, <laughs> he answered it. That's what he is. That's what he does. And it's just it's these lazy narratives that these talk show hosts, just they don't know anything about what real life about sports, and it's just sad. Like, n- n- you don't l- overlook a team in the playoffs. That's not a thing, especially a team that beat you by 21 points in your home stadium. I mean, it's just it's not a thing. But I agree with what Dave said. I mean, I'm sure it maybe crept in a little bit, but, you know, I definitely think they were really focused on beating Jacksonville. And ultimately, you know, they didn't. But the thing is, the Steelers lost to the Patriots in the last AFC championship game. And I guess my Another question would be, how much damage do you think the Patriots winning on Saturday night kind of did to the Steelers' mindset going into that uh, Sunday game? Hunter, I agree with you that you cannot overlook a team that beats you pretty badly in the regular season. But, you know, Jacksonville hadn't made the playoffs before, and I still doubt that the Steelers were taking them seriously. I think they were looking ahead quite a bit to 
playing the Patriots. But, uh, Dave, I, I, how do you feel? I, I, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle of the spectrum that we're presenting. Uh, I, I definitely think it played a role. Uh, and, and I think the, the, the reports that came out Friday with Le'Veon Bell not showing up to practice, uh, he, he showed up five minutes with five minutes left in practice, the walkthrough Saturday night before the game. He's tweeting about the Patriots winning, um, and, and he showed up late. Uh, reported late to the game on Sunday. It was there on time for the game, but after Mike Tomlin said he wanted the team to report. Uh, something you said, Hunter, uh, several weeks ago. You know, when you say something on the show, I remember everything. I go back and listen. So you, you got to uh, remember that. What Keep that in mind, what Hunter. <laughs> you said <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, you compared the, the Patriots to the Penguins and the, the uh, Steelers to the Capitals. And I was kind of shocked by that comparison because the Capitals have never won anything. And the Steelers have the most Super Bowl champions, championships in the league. So I was, I was taken back by that comparison. But I actually uh-huh. think that is a very good comparison right now because the Steelers clearly be- let New England get into their heads this season. Clearly did. With Okay, you don't have to make that big of a, as big of a deal as other people are that Tomlin is answering questions about the Patriots in November. But that, I think that speaks to the, what his mindset is, what this team's mindset is, that, okay, we're going to just get to the championship game and we have to beat New England. They played their best game of the season against New England. They were clearly ready for that game. They weren't ready for Green Bay and Brett Hundley. They weren't ready for Andy Dalton on Monday Night Football. You could argue they weren't ready for Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco threw for more yards against the Steelers' defense than any other team in the league. They weren't ready to play those games. They weren't ready to – in some respect, the defense was not ready to play last week. They gave up 45 points to a quarterback that scored 10 at home against Buffalo. The Steelers' defense has been doing this ever since – uh, Shazier went down. Even in the second half of the season, they give up. They gave up um, so many big plays. Um, it's not a good unit. Uh, well, it, it was good. They just they couldn't get pressure. Um, I'm not a fan of Keith Butler. Uh, I definitely, I honestly think he should be canned. But you know, it looks like Mike Tomlin. But then there was a report this week that Mike Tomlin was calling a lot of the defensive plays on the sideline. So that speaks volumes to you know what what what, what was he calling? So. It's just, you know, I think, you know, anything whoever – people believe that a, a team overlooks a team in the playoffs, I'm, I'm sorry. I think that's a little ridiculous, especially a team that but beats can you. you um, well, you, you were the one that suggested over a month ago that there is this little brother, big brother between the Steelers well, yeah, and the Patriots. Yeah, can you at least admit that the Patriots got into their heads this year? Well, yeah, well, that's because they can't beat them. The Capitals can never beat the Penguins, and the, the New, Pittsburgh can't beat New England. That, that's where I was really going with it. Okay, I, I think it. I actually think that the comparison goes beyond that. That the reason mm-hmm. why they can't, the Capitals can't beat the Penguins, is they're they're, they're in their heads. That's Especially true. Last that's year. true. The Penguins were not a better team than the Capitals last year. The Penguins yeah. won. Because they are mentally superior. There's something in that locker room with the Capitals. They just they cannot beat the Penguins. And I think yeah. the Patriots became such a focal point in that locker room and the Steelers for the Steelers that it affected their play against other teams. That's that's I guess what I will say in terms of did they overlook the Jaguars or not. I think the Patriots and thinking about them affected their play last week and it affected them to some extent in other games as well. It just—it didn't look like they practiced all week. Um, I don't even know how they would come out in New England this week if they would if they won uh, this game. I don't know if they would look any better. I, I just don't know, especially if you're playing against Tom Brady. But they—they look—they came out and it looked like they didn't even prepare for the game. I mean, no matter what the team, it just didn't look they were—they were prepared for the game, and that was—that was the most sad part. I think they didn't even look. Like they practiced. All right. Well, um, I don't know if we're ever going to come to an agreement on that, but let's go to those uh, two fourth down failures, which just was, well, inconceivable to me, especially when you have a 
a pretty good offensive line that the Steelers have, especially with Pouncey and DeCastro, uh, that you can go forward. But the fact, you know, Roethlisberger said after the game that he would have loved to have audible to a quarterback sneak or loved to have that option, but it wasn't available to him. He didn't have the option to do it. And then finding out that Haley doesn't even have a quarterback sneak in his playbook. Now, to me, if you're an offensive coordinator and you don't have an offensive sneak in your playbook, you just, I don't know what you're doing with a job in the NFL, but how do you not uh, uh, bunch up behind Pouncey and DeCastro and force Jacksonville to move, you know, less than a yard? Those should be gimme pickups. I don't. I don't know. You have a 240, 50-pound quarterback, biggest quarterback in football. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. And you can even just give the ball to Le'Veon Bell. He'll get that first down 10 times out of 10 if you run it up the middle with him. Or, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Apparently he said they don't have the audible to it. Um, I read this week that they didn't really run it because – they're afraid of like Marquise Pouncey's knees or something because he's had injury problems and in that Big Ben. Last time they ran it, I believe, was the game in Seattle uh, in 2015 when they lost 39-30. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 39-30. Yeah. That was the last time they ran the sneak. And apparently, I read that um, you know they're concerned about you know Big Ben getting hurt and Marquise Pouncey's knees. And I'm like, it's one. I don't, I don't really think they're gonna get hurt. Uh, uh, you know, Pouncey, if Brady can, Pouncey's knees held up the whole game. Yeah, yeah. It's because of his injury. Um, he's had a couple injuries. He missed most of the season because of a um, an ankle injury that he had to get massive surgery on. I don't know. It was just a lot. I think I read that they were afraid of that. But, I mean, it's Tom Brady, who's not even 50 pounds lighter than Big Ben, can get a QB sneak. I'm pretty sure Ben Roethlisberger can. And like I said, just run it to Le'Veon. You don't, you know, you want to know why Steelers fans hate Todd Haley? It's because of he overthinks simple, simple things. Toss sweep to the weak side. Who runs? Who? Who? How does that come? Ding! How does that come into your brain? And then the, the second call. I mean, it's not as big of a problem, but Eli Rogers. If, I don't know if you guys went back and looked at the replay. Wide open, right in front of them. Wide open. He would caught. He would have had the first down, and he could have just dove forward. I don't know how Ben didn't see him. That that was weird. But run the ball, people. Yeah, and, and see, to me, you run the ball. You get that six inches or, or yards. If you, if you want to get fancy, if you want to take a chance on first down after you get a new set of downs, yeah, that's fine with me. But you got to get that new set of downs first, yeah. uh, Dave. Did you think that was a key, or do you think there was more uh, to it than uh, than just uh, not being able to convert on fourth downs? Well, initially, I, I felt like that lost the game, that, that not converting those two fourth downs were <laughs> instrumental in the loss. Uh, and I agree with you guys. I would have absolutely run the quarterback sneak. But after a few more days of reflection, they had two other fourth down plays that were <laughs> – Miraculous plays, touchdown, beautiful <laughs> touchdown passes, catches. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if if those didn't work out, then we would be saying, you know, the same thing. But they did work out, so that's the reason why it was a, even a game. The touchdown right before halftime and the touchdown late to, to Brown on, on fourth and long. So um, if, if Eli Rogers had, had caught that, or, or I'm sorry, if Juju Smith-Schuster had caught that, uh, that pass on, on fourth and short, which I actually think there should have been a penalty on. I think he was held a little bit. Um, they were holding and, and all not... game, Dave. <laughs> well, <laughs> in particular on that on that play, it seemed very obvious to me that it probably should have been a penalty. But um, if that penalty is called, or or if he if Juju makes the catch, then again we're not talking about this. So I, yeah, I exactly. think there's a lot more than just these two plays. Uh, I agree, Hunter. Haley does get too cute at times, but um, overall, I'll, I'll return to my original rant. They gave up 45 points. The Steelers really expect to win this game 51-45 or 51-48. <laughs> uh, 42 points should have been enough to win the game, and, and those two fourth downs were, were small 
in 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 the uh, in the loss at the end. Well, let's, let's and, talk and, about the defenses for a bit, and the fact that the the Steelers never got pressure on Blake Bortles, and kind of stayed in their zone coverage, and and made things very comfortable for Bortles to be able to uh, to pick their defense apart. Really surprised me they didn't go with a fifth defender in the box to try and and plug up holes for to stop Leonard Fournette, and I, I don't understand where there why there were no adjustments made uh to to make Bortles I make him more uncomfortable in the pocket. Keith Butler, man. That that's why. Keith freaking <laughs> Butler. He's been I don't he's been bad all season. I mean, you know, you can definitely make a case for keeping him, you can make a case for firing him. I I would get rid of him. Uh he he, he does the, the some really dumb stuff. Um, I just don't know how you can keep rushing forward without bringing pressure. Bring Mike Hilton on the corner blitz. Rush five. Rush six. There was a play. Um, it was, I think it was like third and eight or something. Or it was for, yeah, one of the downs. He went through four leads before hitting T.J. Elden for a forty-five yard play out of the backfield. Yes. How do you yeah. not? How does how does that happen? I literally just I. I was I I just I put my head down. I was so frustrated. That there's no one out there to cover. They have some of the worst communication issues I've ever seen. It's like they've never even played with each other before. I don't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I remember that play. It was amazing because Bortles, his eyes swept the field before he threw that pass, and and he had all day to do it. So. Um, Dave, yeah, you're right. Dave, 42 points is enough. Sh- should always be enough to win a game. It's it's amazing that they weren't able to. Um, you know, I don't know. Did you look at it as all Keith Butler like Hunter does, or or were there other problems? Uh, I don't look at it as as a Keith Butler problem. I think firing. I thought firing Haley might have been a, an overreaction, but I think firing Butler was definitely an over would be an overreaction if if uh, if he's fired. Uh, Hunter, you you were complimenting this defense a lot of parts of the season, and so I was. Um, <laughs> I'm just surprised that all of a sudden, and this is why I'm calling it a knee-jerk reaction. One bad game. This is their worst game of the season. You uh, you decide you know, to can a guy, you don't can a guy after one bad game. Um, and it was a bad game collectively. He's been bad for the whole second half of the season. He gave up basically against the Cleveland Browns. All of their starters were in except Cam Hayward. They gave up 21 points to Deshaun Kaiser, 28 points to Brett Hundley, 38 points to Joe Flacco and the Ravens offense, which is one of the worst in football at home. Plenty of coverage busts. I don't know where Mike Mitchell was all season, even though I was pretty high on him. That's coaching and, and um, coverage busts. I don't, I don't understand how that. It, it was just awful the second half. They, well, they did have a great their, first half. Their defense changed when Joe Joe Hayden went down with an injury. When he left, he was so important to the defense in the first half of the season. And, and it amazes me they were able to get him and, and him be like the defensive MVP because they didn't get him and until then, August. Um, and then when Shazier went down too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing as well. They had run problems before that though. I think, I don't, I don't it's, think it, he was yeah. as big of a loss as, as people were making it out to be, to be honest. The run defense but, has uh, been poor all season. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It has. Uh, and and but the funny thing is they they still finish tenth in running defense. So poor for I us. We we have a pretty high standards in Pittsburgh for defense. So <laughs> uh, that that was so uh, funny. I I didn't believe my eyes when I saw that tenth in rushing defense. Yet they were getting carved almost all the time in the second half of the season. I, I just I was so shocked when I saw that. Yeah, it seemed like they were, but yeah, their ranking was was pretty darn good compared to other teams in the league. But um, to answer your question, Tom, no, I wouldn't. I, I think it was more than just Butler. Uh, and, and, and uh, I, again, I'll, I'll go back to the fact that I, I'm, I'm doubtful that the defense was a hundred percent into this game at this, at the start. 
And unlike in other games, you know, Indianapolis, they turn it on at, at, at halftime. Against Cincinnati, they turn it on at, at halftime. They weren't playing those teams this past week. They were playing a that's, playoff game. And you can't a good point. turn it on at halftime. You can't turn it on at halftime when you're down already by 21 points or 14 points and, and, and climb out of a hole in a playoff game. No, not in a divisional their, round. You can't. And they had their chances to tie the game. You guys, they blocked a punt. I didn't believe my eyes when I saw they blocked a punt. Danny Smith's special teams. They really gave them half a field. Uh, time. Let, let's go into Mike Tomlin's uh, clock management for a second before we get into oh. And the fact that they tried the onside kick when they did and essentially gave Jacksonville their, their final three points. Um uh, oh. And then later, it, you know, as they were driving, in my opinion, as that drive was going on, you gotta, you you have to complete an onside kick anyway. It, at some point, as that clock was winding down, don't you try the field goal because you need the field goal, and then do the onside kick and at least give yourself another possession. So, oh, I, yeah. you Hunter, where, where do you fall on that? Tom, you're a genius for that. That's one thing where you are very smart. You just out, you just outsmarted an NFL head coach, most <laughs> NFL coaches actually. But oh, oh my God, guys, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's a great coach. I think he's one of the top seven best coaches in football. Um, if you fire him, you know I've seen all this talk. Will we need to fire Mike Tomlin? Okay, uh, who are you going to get that's better? I mean, who's out there right now? That's right, nobody. But, man, I was very, very upset with Mike Tomlin after this game. Just awful clock management. He was looking like Andy Reid out there at times with clock management. <laughs> it was just – you guys know what I'm talking about, too. Andy Reid has some of the worst clock management in football. Most NFL coaches honestly don't know how to stop the clock and clock management. The best one, of course, is Bill Belichick. But, I mean, that's relevant. But I just didn't understand it. Yeah, the onside kick, his explanation was – well, um, we don't trust our defense. It's like you do realize that if you stop them, three, you just have to stack the box and stop the run three times, and you get the ball back with over a minute and a half left and no timeouts. I'm sorry, but um, Ben Roethlisberger, five touchdown passes, um, I'm pretty sure he can drive the team down the field in over a minute and a half with no timeouts. He's done it so many times in his career. He's one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league. You have all these weapons. I mean, all you got to do is stack the box. And then in the field goal, yeah, I was seeing it on Twitter, too. You're knocking in the field goal. It's like, Mike, what are you doing, man? But he was just – he had an awful game. I don't know what Mike Tomlin was doing, even though I'm such a big fan of him. I mean, I just want to see him make adjustments. <laughs> That was my mini rant, guys. Ah, that 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 whole thing frustrated me. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Uh, Dave, I'm, I'm going to go into real quick. Uh, let's talk about Todd Haley. Uh, the Steelers let him go. Kind of let his contract run out. Didn't re-sign him. Uh, what do you yeah, think right, about Randy right. Fitchner uh, coming up and taking over as offensive coordinator? What kind of difference do you think that's going to make with the Steelers for next season? Um, hopefully it puts an end to this uh, reports about Roethlisberger not having a good relationship with his coordinator because it just seems like since Haley stepped in in 2012, from the very start, we've been reading about how Haley and, and Big Ben don't get along. And I'm not sure – why that is the case it wasn't really reported widely what they disagree on um, maybe it's the quarterback sneak and and i would be on ben's side with that one but uh i just find it funny that throughout the haley tenure they had this rift apparently and and it was a very successful offense I, but i i like that they promoted fitchner because at this point in Roethlisberger's career, you do not want him. You absolutely do not want him relearning a system at 36 years old. He's got mm -hmm. two, three more years left in the league, guys. So you want to maximize yeah. those two or three years, and you want as little change as possible. 
Uh, if you absolutely have to make change, I, I don't necessarily agree with the change of, of, of moving on from Haley, but if you feel like you have to make a change, I think Fitchner was their only choice. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's about as far as we can go. We're kind of halfway through the show already. It's amazing how quickly time flies uh, when we start getting into the show, getting into a lot of these topics. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have to take a small break. And then when we come back, we're going to move into Championship Sunday. Uh, Pastor Thomas, 2-1 last week in the divisional round. And we'll find out what Nostra Thomas and the Force-deficient Jedi Apprentice have in store for you on Championship Sunday right after this. Three More Bites, the cookbook series by husband and wife duo Ayo and Bob Lai will keep you entertained and your appetite satisfied. With recipes inspired by their life stories, cooking and enjoying these unique recipes is a perfect way to spend time with friends and family. Whether you are an experienced chef or just learning to cook, their helpful cooking tips and tricks and delicious recipes will have you begging for three more bites. Pick up your copy of Three More Bites Presents Cozy Cooking and Three More Bites Presents Three Weddings and a Honeymoon today from www.3morebites.com. And we're back on WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollan along with Dave Holcomb, Hunter Hodes. And this show brought to you by author Marco Sacchio, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind and the Laws of the Universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Nostra Thomas predicts, and we're in the championship round. <laughs> oh, force deficient just does not take well to. That's not, uh, that's not my name. <laughs> call me, call me Lord Maul or Lord Dave. That's a downgrade. Dave, what did you think? Oh man, I I think you're 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 at Ray level right now, Hunter. That's not uh, that's not who I want to be either. <laughs> All right, got our first game coming up on Sunday, late afternoon game, Jacksonville Jaguars at the New England Patriots. Uh, This game opened with the Patriots favored by nine, which I really liked uh, as far as on the Jacksonville side. But the news of uh, Brady's hand injury dropped this to seven and a half. Uh, The total also dropped from 47 to 45 points. Uh, mainly because the question now is, can Brady throw accurately with the the with the shape it's in? Uh, Mike Felger uh, reported Friday with B, he was busy, WBZ mm-hmm. in Boston. Brady needed four stitches in his thumb uh, to close the cut from when he was jammed the ball, got the ball jammed into his hand uh, on handoff. And Tom Curran of the NBC Sports Boston reports that Brady's thumb is bent back badly. Now, oh, no. it depends on, you know, I don't know how that's going to affect Brady's accuracy. Uh, shouldn't affect his timing, but definitely accuracy against one of the best, as, as I said many times this season, the best pass defense in the league. Uh, Hunter, where do you fall on this game? Well, um, uh, from uh, Lord uh, Vader's uh, perspective, um, so <clears throat> let's take a look here, guys. Um, uh, you know, Hunter, no, Hunter, Tom, Hunter, Tom, Hunter, 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 you dropped the uh, rocks again last week. I was uh, one and one. And that's what we're going to call it from now on. When you miss games, we're just going to say Hunter dropped the rocks. That's not what we're going to say at all. You, you said uh, <laughs> I'm like I'm Darth Vader. You say I, I lost my arm. Uh, you know, you dropped the rocks. Uh, okay, go ahead okay. on your uh, Patriots. Uh, okay. Uh, oh no, guys! Tom Brady has a little bit of an injury. Yeah. Okay, people. Um, pretty sure Tom Brady is probably still going to go out and carve whoever he plays because you know that's what he does when even though he's a little injury. Um, I'm taking the Patriots here. Even though, like I said, Brady's being like a little uh, 
Drama Queen at his press conference. We'll see. Are you going to play? We'll see. How's your thumb? It's fine. Are you excited to play? Yeah. It's like, what are you, a Bill Belichick clone? Oh, my God. Um, Everybody on the Patriots is like that. Oh, they're so boring. I hate But they take boring. Yeah, well, you know, boring. I would take boring over some of the things the Steelers said this season. Eh, I they like may be with boring, but they win. I'll take a boring right. winner. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, I think it'll be New England in the Super Bowl again, which is, ugh. Um, I hope people, or I hope the casual people that just tune into the Super Bowl and don't watch a lake of football, I hope they start getting tired of uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl because um, when Brady retires, I think they won't be going back for a long time. Hopefully, um, their defense, New England's defense, it's not the greatest, um, not by any stretch, but they know how to get off the field. Uh, their third down defense is very good. Um, they're not going to get carved up by Pittsburgh. Um, probably not even close. And um, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Jalen Ramsey's comments this guy's week. Well, you know, Gronk hasn't played a cornerback like me. Well, you know, that may be true, but um, Antonio Brown torched you and A.J. Boye at like 70% last week. So um, really wouldn't um, talking up the talk here, especially against Rob Gronkowski, who's one of the best tight ends I've ever seen in my entire life. So um, I'm pretty sure Gronk's going to be mad. If he, thinks he really can, if he really thinks he can stop Gronk, um, he's got another thing coming. Um, take the Patriots minus seven and a half. Um, yeah. I don't really okay. like rooting for any of these teams, but, you know, it'll be glad to see if, you know, you, we one get of them will lose. Get. Um, my thing is, and, and don't, don't uh, downplay what Ramsey and Boye did last week. Uh, Roethlisberger dropped some incredible dimes. And, and oh, yeah. Brown made one incredible catch one-handed. Uh, for one of those touchdowns. So, and he was called Ramsey. He had him. So, you know, don't underestimate what the pay, uh, Jacksonville can do on defense. Um, especially since they, they picked up a, a, I said the, the Jaguars are the best in the league as far as negative pass plays, creating negative pass plays. Well, they created an interception pick six last week and a fuck script, a fumble sack and uh, touchdown against uh, the Steelers. So 14 points from the the Jacksonville defense uh, last week. But even with that good defense, it's difficult to see them covering this red because I expect the Patriots to do what the Steelers didn't do last week, put up a five-man front, uh, let their uh, secondary go to against uh, letting uh, the Jacksonville uh, receivers split zones against uh, against you know their defense. I, I think the Patriots are going to be more aggressive up front. Going to try and take away uh, Leonard Fournette. So that's not one thing you can run on the Patriots, but you can run on the Jacksonville too. Jacksonville has a great pass defense, but look for the Patriots to switch what they did. From last week. Last week, Brady threw yeah. 53 times. Uh, but look for Deion Lewis to actually play a big role in this game. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he only carried the ball 15 times last week, targeted 10 times uh, in the passing game. Expect him to get all those touches basically through the run this week, I believe. Uh, Bortles is going to have to make plays with his legs to make up for the increased attention. That's going to be paid to Fournette by the Patriots defense. Uh, I don't think he has the ability to drop the dimes like Roethlisberger did against Jags defense last week. Uh, I think the Patriots can put pressure on Bortles, make him uncomfortable, and that makes it tougher for him to make throws. Uh, I do believe this is going to be more of a, a, a tougher game as far as scoring. I would say take the Patriots. My recommendation: take the Patriots and covering the seven and a half. So, so don't worry, Force Deficient Luke, because you're gonna you, you got one coming up right. Oh. And I, I would say also with the Patri- Brady's injury restricting the Patriots' offense and the way the Patriots are going to play defense, go under the forty-five point total. Uh, in the late game, we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. Do the Vikings have a massive letdown in store after that 
just completely impossible win last week. And, and I don't know if I, you know, every time I say I've seen it all, you know, I, I get something else that is just incredible. Nope. Last week was incredible. Nope. Uh, is there a letdown or is that the driving force that takes the uh, Vikings to the Super Bowl? Uh, what do you think, Hunter? Tom, the Vikings will host the Super Bowl in two weeks and be the home team and be the first team to ever do it. And they're going to have um, 75% of their home fans there. Um, I think, um, I know the miracle of Minnesota was just awesome. Um, I think they're going to remind the Eagles that they're not Atlanta from last week. The Falcons offense was abysmal and Steve Sarkeesian called some awful plays on that last series. Don't know what he was thinking. Um, I think Minnesota, um, I think I could argue that they have the best defense of the teams remaining in the playoffs. Um, I think, um, I know Jacksonville is really good, but Minnesota's, man, that that is an outstanding unit, um, both pass rushing and rushing defense. I think uh, Stephon Diggs and um, Adam Thielen will be massive problems, assuming Adam Thielen plays. um, He's questionable, but I think he will. Um, I just really like this matchup. I'm going to take the Vikings minus three here. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, and they're going to host it. I really do believe that. And I can't wait to see how many fans go out to Minnesota. Thielen has been upgraded to probable now, so expect him to play. Uh, But you're right. Minnesota's defense is incredible, uh, both on the defensive line and in the secondary. Harrison Smith is just, um, you know, incredible in the secondary. Um, So that's the thing. Uh, The Eagles have a great front. And that's going to be a big play, a big role in this game. But they don't have the pass defense that uh, Minnesota has. I think it's going to be tougher for uh, for Philadelphia to move the ball, especially with Nick Foles. Uh, Andrew Sandejo is probably going to be back if he can clear uh, concussion protocol this weekend. And that's a big addition to the uh, – uh, uh, Minnesota secondary. Uh, he was lost early to a concussion, and you notice that the Saints started moving the ball uh, pretty well after that. So, but I'm saying this is only a three-point spread. Vikings by three, and I'm saying take the Vikings minus the three. If you take all the emotion out of it, there's no doubt uh, that the Eagles without Carson Wentz. If they had Carson Wentz, is a whole different ballgame. But without mm-hmm. him, they are just a completely inferior team to the Vikings. Take the Vikings minus a three. And also I think this is going to be more of a grind them out game against two uh, very good defenses. So go under the 39 totals. So Master Thomas has four picks for you this weekend. Uh, take the Patriots plus seven and a half. Take the under in that game. Take the Vikings minus a three as the road favorites and go under the 39 total in that game. I, now, there's some prep bets I want to ask you to uh, before we get into our next segment about the Pirates. Uh, about running, the first one's running backs to have the most rushing yards. Leonard Fournette is 3-2 uh, to two to have the most rushing yards, uh, which means for every $2 you bet, you get three back. Uh, Latavius Murray, 17-4. to four. For every $4 bet, you get 17 back. Ajay is nine to two. Dan Lewis nine to two. Who do you think has the the best uh, uh, running attack in this game? Who's going to have the most yards rushing? Um, Dion Lewis. You're I saying Dion Lewis, Lewis, Dave? Who do you say? Uh, he stole my pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dion Lewis too. Yeah, you know, that's, I think Lewis is going to have a big game against because I think the Patriots are going to be leaning on him uh, in, yeah. the, uh, in this next game. So, as far yeah. as a uh, player to have the most receiving yards, Rob Gronkowski is 9-2, to two. Thielen's 5-1, to one. Cook's 6-1. A uh, lot of good picks here. Who do you think is going to have the most pass, uh, receiving yards? Uh, I'm going to go with Gronk. Uh, I think he's going to roast uh, whoever covers him because um, 
Uh, no one can cover Rob Gronkowski in this league. Uh, no one, no, no one matches up on him. Okay, Dave. I'm gonna go with Adam Thielen. I uh, I think he's had a great season, and I, I expect the Vikings to win. And um, I, I think they'll uh, be able to move the ball in, in Philly a little bit. All right, and I'm gonna go with Stefan Diggs at 15 to two. Uh, I like Ooh, okay. those odds, and I like I like what Diggs can do. I think uh, I think that's a good bet. Uh, so, and the third prop bet I got off online this uh, this week: highest scoring team. The Patriots are eleven to twenty, which means oh. you have to bet twenty dollars and you get eleven back. You'll you'll win thirty one dollars. You know, so it, it's a ridiculous. Uh, odds on that one, but the Vikings are nine to two, Jacksonville six to one, Eagles thirteen to two. Which is the highest scoring team this weekend? New England. I, I think they're going to have fun. I think I think Tom Brady is probably going to have fun. I just I I just see it now. I see it. David, I'm going to go. Why not? I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I'm going to take the Jaguars. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Jaguars in the Super Bowl then. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Yeah. I was, you know, the Jags to beat Tom Brady. Oh man. And you know what? Everybody's going to owe Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler an apology next week because oh, the Jaguars God. are going to also upset the Patriots. Oh, all right. David. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, and yeah, I'm well, going to go with the Vikings. I'm going to go with the Vikings as the highest scoring team this weekend. Okay. That's well, a much safer pick. I'll, I'll be uh two and zero after this week and Tom will be two and two probably because he won't All get right. under 39. <laughs> Call me, guys, 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 we got to move forward real quick. Uh, got to go into another commercial break. When we come back, we're going to break down the pirates moves this week. Uh, uh, weekend sports huddle. With Dave Holcomb and Hunter Hodes, this is Tom Powell. Einstein and Moo is Jennifer Millie's exciting new children's book series about two black and white cats who are brother and sister and have great adventures. The first book, Einstein and the Leap, is all about playful Einstein. Suitable for children of all ages and cat lovers alike, Einstein and the Leap is a wonderfully written and illustrated book that will capture your heart. Buy your copy of Einstein and the Leaf today at www.rsplaunchpad.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble Nook. And we're back on Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Powell along with Dave Holcomb, Hunter Hodes. Give us a call if you have any uh, picks of your own with uh, what we gave in the last segment, 516-387-1417. This show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the law of the universe that will lead you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Dave, Pirates lost Derek Cole just before last week's game. Uh, yeah. And Andrew McCutcheon oh, and the Steelers lose all happen within 20 hours apart. So right. which one's more upsetting? Oh, it's the Andrew McCutcheon trade, no doubt. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that the Steelers' loss wasn't disappointing. It was really disappointing, but uh, the Steelers will probably be back. You don't want to take anything for granted. You know, Le'Veon Bell, we didn't get into his contract situation. I'm sure we'll talk about in future weeks. Will he be back with the team? Uh, I think that's a serious question, but uh, this is the end of the Pirates' era making the playoffs for probably a long time. Uh, And they traded not only the star of the team, they traded the centerpiece of the franchise and really the centerpiece of baseball in the city of Pittsburgh. He brought the sport back and and made it popular again. I agree. Uh, We got a call real quick. So let's go to a caller. Uh, Caller, you're on the air with Weekend Sports Huddle. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Gary from Delaware. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, Hey, what can uh, we do for you, Gary? Glad you guys are starting to talk about McCutcheon because I got a question about it. I haven't been able to figure out. I, I agree with everything you're saying about it. It's just a travesty that that happened. But what I heard is that we got uh, two 
non-prospect prospects, meaning not top uh, prospects for him, but that the Pirates are also paying part of his salary next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess my question is, well, is that true? And is it as bad as it sounds? But maybe more importantly, (laughs) if effectively we bought, we we, we gave McCutcheon away and bought two non-prospect prospects for a bunch of money, why didn't the Pirates simply not exercise their option for McCutcheon and use the money that they're paying McCutcheon to play for the Giants to do something else? Because they're running a racket. Because they think that Pirate fans are stupid and that they can sell the idea that, oh, well, we traded McCutcheon for prospects. We're, we're building for the future. We're retooling. They don't want to ever use the word rebuild. They use this silly word retool. And they, they really believe that they can feed the Pirate fan base this mumbo-jumbo and think that long-term <laughs> the, the franchise is, is in better situation. Um, well, they the, did re, they did re up uh, Felipe Rivero this week, <laughs> and that was perfectly timed to for them to do right after all of these trades. I I've never seen an owner like Bob Nutting just straight lie to his fans' faces. I, I'm I you all know I'm, I'm a Nationals fan. I'm just glad we have an owner that you know actually cares about winning. But this guy he doesn't seem like he cares at all. He just lies to the fans' faces, saying, you know, we're going to have a, group, a young group of hungry guys I saw coming here and ready to try to make the playoffs. I'm like, dude, are you smoking some weed or something? Well, you know, guys can be as hungry as they want, but, you know, it takes some talent, too. Yeah, exactly. So, Does anybody and, uh, know? Go ahead, Gary. Does anybody know how much of McCourt, uh, McCutcheon's $14 million plus salary for next year, I mean for 2018, that the Pirates are paying? I didn't hear an amount. I thought it was like $2.5 or something. Yeah, that, that sounds right. It's not a yeah. huge portion of it. Okay, so again, you're effectively saying that the Pirates paid $2.5 million for mm-hmm. two non-prospects. For the rights and of the two non-prospects. <laughs> and, and they gave up Andrew McCutcheon as well. well yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is if they had the option not to exercise McCutcheon's options, that would have cost them zero. They still right. have the $2.5 million. They don't have the two non-prospects, but are the two non-prospects worth $2.5 million? And I understand what you're saying, that it, it's a sleight of hand. It looks like they're trading a star to get a couple of you know, future stars. But it just doesn't add up. Maybe they are as stupid as you're saying. Basically, as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, and from what I've read, neither of them are even projected as being elite talent. Neither of them are projected as being future major leaguers. Uh, There is talk that Brian Reynolds might be a bullpen arm leader in his career if he can ever get his command under under control. Uh, Apparently, he has a pretty good arm but no commands. So yeah, that's about all you got for the face of the franchise. And, and let me just say that as a Chicago Cubs fan, you know, McCutcheon was always the face of the Pirates franchise to me. McCutcheon is a classy guy, classy player. Uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, major league baseball teams, I usually have some favorites on a lot of other teams that I enjoy watching play. And McCutcheon was one of those. And I, I think this is just terrible for the Pirates that this happened. He's he's awesome. I have a question for you, both uh, Dave and Gary. How many fans do you think the Pirates are going to lose this season? I've already seen a lot of people saying, you know, they're not going to go to the games. Um, how many people are just going to say, you know, I'm done with this team? If I can go first, um, having been a former ticket holder, uh, and having gone to a lot of opening day games, which even when the Pirates were awful, they were exciting because, you know, when opening day you're zero zero and everybody's got a chance. Mm-hmm. My prediction, and I think this says it all, the Pirates will not sell out for opening day in 2018. Oh, wow. That's pretty bold. 
Yeah. Uh, Dave, what do you uh, think? Yeah. I, I think they've lost a lot of fans, and I don't think the fans are coming back. Um, I think even their most loyal fans, I would consider myself a loyal fan, and I, I'm not excited for this season. Um, I'm, I probably watched 100 games each of the last three summers, I'd say, and I, I don't think I'm going to spend the time to watch more than 25 or 20. I'm not in town, so I can't go to any games. I wasn't planning to go to any games anyway. I don't live there. But in terms of how much time I dedicate to the team, it, it's going to be at a, at a minimum this year. And I, I'm, I'll still be a fan, unlike other, other people. I think other people are, are going to drop the team and probably never care again. But for me, a real loyal fan, I think for this season at least, I'm just not wasting my time because they're not putting in the amount of time and the amount of money ownership is, isn't to, to make this a team that can compete. Okay. And I, you know, but that's the thing, you know, being a longtime fan and I was a Cubs fan through a lot of uh, rough times, a lot of uh, rough seasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you stick with the team, but the problem is, you know, it can get very frustrating to stick with a team after a while when you don't see any movement forward. So it's going to be interesting for me to see how many Pirates fans actually do. You know, if you're still a baseball fan, are you going to uh, change the loyalties? Who are you going to, uh, who are you going to pay attention to? And that's a great point, Tom, that every team to a certain extent goes through losing seasons. You go through rough patches and, 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 and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm still going to call myself a Pirates fan, but for Pirate fans that are, are going to give up or, or, or are tired of it, I, I also think they have an argument, and, and I wouldn't call them a fair-weather fan because this ownership group does not care about winning. They don't put winning ahead of making money. That's really the thing. It's not that they don't care about winning. They would love to win, but they would want to win without putting in the money that they need to to win. Um, so it, for, for a fan that – wants to go up to another team or, or maybe they're going to pick an American League team to root for as well and have the national, you know, Pirates kind of be their National League team as their second team, whatever. I think that it's perfectly justified because of this ownership group. It's not – to me, this is actually worse than the Cleveland Browns. At least the Cleveland Browns try. At least the Browns try. They're incompetent, uh, horribly, horribly incompetent. But they <laughs> – but they try. They want to win. They put out the best product that they can for their mm-hmm. fan base. Can you say the same thing about the Pirates? No, absolutely not. Just, just call him cheap. That's what he is. He's cheap. Gary, we appreciate the call as always. Great to have you on. Uh, longtime fan of the show. Uh, but we are wrapping up the show and, uh, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. But uh, thanks a lot for the call. Thanks for hearing me out. You guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Thanks a lot, Gary. It was great to, great to always, it's always great to have Gary on the line. I, you know, I enjoy having him. Uh, He's great. Guys, we're going to do a quick jump into real deal or overreaction. Remember, this show was brought to you by author Marco Sacchio, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind and the Laws of the Universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Also remember to follow the show on Twitter at WKD Sports Huddle. And you can follow us on Facebook at Weekend Sports Huddle. Uh, Give us a like on Facebook and join the conversation. Guys, uh, let's say not not only are the Pirates the last place team in the NL Central season, they're 100 game losers. Uh, Dave, we'll go to you Oh, I'm, I'm going all I'm going all in on the Pirates being bad. Real deal. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see this this team competing at all, uh, and and they're going to take a big step back without McCutcheon in the locker room. They they traded away their ace. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, 100 losses is a lot of losses, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll say that they'll get 100 losses this year. Real deal. They'll be the goat. They'll be the goat of losing, Dave. <laughs> no, they they no. really will be goats because goats are a negative thing to be in sports, Hunter. Oh. Yeah, and no, nobody was better at losing than the nineteen sixty two, 
1962 New York Mets. So uh, the first edition yeah. of the Mets only won 40 games. So that's right. still the record for most losses. Uh, actually, 1960 New York Mets, that's when they started. But after okay. the first week of the season, we asked our, in our first edition of RDO, when we first started doing Real Deal or Overreaction, uh, we put out the statement about whether the Patriots were finished after getting beat by the Chiefs. Now let's say yeah. Real Deal or Overreaction, <laughs> the Patriots will be hosting, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy again at the end of Super Bowl 52. Overreaction. Minnesota is winning the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. I like that. I like taking that. the Vikings, guys. Okay. I will not All right. sit here and watch Tom Brady tie the Steelers Super Bowl record with six of his own. I, I can't I will I can't watch that. All right. Uh Dave, what do you think? I, well, I was gonna go real deal, but in the middle of the show I called an audible. And I said the Jaguars would get the upset. So I guess I got to go overreaction, too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go overreaction, too, because I don't think the Patriots do lift the trophy. Uh, this is the end of Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Powell, along with Hunter Hodes and Dave Holcomb. And we will talk to you next Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.